you know, personality tests like Myers and Briggs and Enneagram, these kind of tests actually kind of further solidify this idea that you are who you are. You know, you get a label and then your job is to kind of just live that label and confirm that label. And so it can really stop you from, from growing and changing. And yeah. And so, I mean, this book's about how that view is actually inaccurate. <laughs> it's not even good in the psychology. You know, there's a lot of science about how your personality can and does change. Just as an example, Sean, you're probably not the same person you were 10 years ago, right? Not at all. Not even the not. same person I was uh, six months ago. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and if you're someone who's growing and seeking growth, you're not going to be the same person. You're not going to have the same preferences and attitudes and habits. Uh, and so there's a lot of new research now on what's called your future self and about defining a, a future version of yourself and about how that's actually the only way to make decent, high quality decisions here and now and about how, you know, you can and should change. You're actually going to be different. This episode is sponsored by Personal Revolution Podcast. Have you ever been stuck inside, wondering how to take control of your life? Is there something you want to do, but haven't been able to do it yet? Well, I got the podcast for you. In Personal Revolution, best-selling author and life coach Allison Task helps you take control of your life with inspiration and humor so that you move from where you are now to where you want to be and have fun doing it. It's like having a personal coach whispering in your ear. This three-month podcast course along with the bonus episodes each month, will help you create a clear vision for what you want out of your life. Remove the frustrating blocks that are holding you back. Develop a detailed action plan that will drive you to where you want to be and build the network that will help you create your future. The Personal Revolution podcast comes with a personal workbook and real-time access to a community of other changemakers working towards their goals with positivity, possibility, and momentum. And for a limited time, all of this is available to you for free. Download the Himalaya app in your app store, look up Personal Revolution, and enter the promo code REVOLUTION at checkout to get your first month absolutely free. If you're ready to go after a better life, you are ready for Personal Revolution. Here, take a listen. Hi, my name is Allison Task, and I am the host of Personal Revolution. Are you ready to be happy and do that thing you always wanted to do? Well, I am thrilled to announce that I have now made available for free the Personal Revolution podcast course. This course is based on my best-selling book, and it is now yours for free wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It includes 10 original episodes with plenty of never-released-before content, and then it includes a premium version. For $4.99 a month, you will get a customized workbook. You'll get access to a private private community on Himalaya, and you'll have just-in-time audio drop-ins from me again in the community on Himalaya. Just go to Himalaya.com, look up Personal Revolution, and type in Revolution to get your first month for free. I'll look forward to seeing you in the community. Hey, thanks for stopping by the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm the host, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. I have merchandise available now, hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, and other items. This is another way to help support the show. The show will get a portion of the proceeds to help keep the lights on. You can find direct links to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, 
merchandise, and anywhere else we are online at the bottom of the show notes. Go to the Linktree link, and that will take you to all the ways to connect with the show. One last thing is if you want to be a guest on the show, you think you have a story that somebody out there could benefit from hearing. You have a bottom that you want to tell people about so they possibly don't have to go through what you did. Go to the bottom of the show notes, hit the Linktree link, go to my scheduling page, choose a time, fill out the guest form, and I'll take a look at it, and we'll go from there. Today, I am talking to Dr. Benjamin Hardy, an organizational psychologist. He is here to talk about his book, Personality Isn't Permanent. We had a great conversation. He definitely challenged my perspective on a couple of things and actually got me to change my mind about one. So without further ado, let's get to the show. This is a Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today we are here with uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Uh, He's an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. His blogs have been read in by over 100 million people and are featured on Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, Cheddar, Big Think, and many others. He's a regular contributor to INC and Psychology Today. And from 2015 to 2018, he was the number one writer in the world on Medium.com. Uh, and he's currently uh, waiting for a book to be, or you just published one, you're just waiting for it to come out called Personality Isn't Permanent, which debunks the pervasive pervasive myths of personality that have captured pop culture. So tell me a little bit about uh, your new, your newest uh, book and uh, personality is permanent. That's interesting because I, I can totally relate. I have personal experience with it. I know I've read a little bit about your story. Sounds like there's a lot there. Yeah. So this book's about, you know, I guess, yeah, this book's about how most people have been taught kind of inaccurate views of personality, you know, the, and, and these views can really limit people's ability to change and grow. Uh, the kind of dominant views are that your personality is who you are. It's innate. It's not flexible. You can't change it. Uh, and your job is just to discover who you are, you know, figure out who you are so that then you can live the life that you were supposed to live. And th- th- those views lead people to being very inflexible and, and ultimately having a fixed mindset about themselves you know, personality tests like Myers and Briggs and Enneagram, these kind of tests actually kind of further solidify this idea that you are who you are. You know, you get a label and then your job is to kind of just live that label and confirm that label. And so it can really stop you from, from growing and changing. And yeah. And so, I mean, this book's about how that view is actually inaccurate. (laughs) It's not even good in the psychology. You know, there's a lot of science about how your personality can and does change. Just as an example, Sean, you're probably not the same person you were 10 years ago, right? Not at all. Not even the same person I was uh, six months ago. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and if you're someone who's growing and seeking growth, you're not going to be the same person. You're not going to have the same preferences and attitudes and habits. Uh, And so there's a lot of new research now on what's called your future self and about defining a, a future version of yourself and about how that's actually the only way to make decent, high quality decisions here and now and about how you know, you can and should change. You're actually going to be different. Your future self, Sean, is not going to be the same person you are today. They're going to have a different situation, different preferences. And so rather than holding so tight to your current identity, you can be flexible to who you want to be. No, I agree with that 100%. I, I mean, I, I've, I've lived that myself. Um, I mean, just through, uh, certain situations that I've been through, you know, prison or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, that, yeah. that, that all helps to shape 
your personality, your experiences shape your personality. Definitely. So the personality I had before I went to prison, I was a, like a social butterfly. I was active, social, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be afraid to, uh, to talk to anybody. I would approach any woman. I mean, I was just, I mean, my, my nickname was Mr. After Hours because I had, you know, everybody would always come to my house after the clubs would close and we would party more. So, I mean, that's, I was a pretty open, fun, jovial dude. When I went to prison though, it changed my personality quite a bit because in what ways? You can kind of be yourself, but you can't really be yourself because you're constantly guarded. You're constantly, is somebody trying to angle something out of me? Because there's a lot of people in there that don't have anything. And if you have like, you know, people uh, supporting you on the outside, you have food and extra food and, you know, snacks and all that other stuff. You know, some people can kind of get envious. So you're always watching watching yourself, you know, you don't want to at any moment sometimes. I mean, yeah, it may seem peaceful on, on the, the surface, but you don't know what kind of under stuff is going on. And, you know, at any moment it could bust out into a, a, a fight in a unit where it turns into a bunch of people get involved. So, I mean, you're, you're always on edge. And so, and also too, when I got busted, it was cause somebody, somebody, uh, uh, snitched on me or ratted me out and set me up. And so now my trust of people started going away. So now you've got me, this guy who is, you know, nice, partying all the time, shares his drugs. And then I go into a situation where I have to be completely guarded and I don't trust anybody. And I'm coming in because somebody set me up. So immediately I'm just like, I shut everybody out. And uh, when you walked out of prison, though, how are you different? The same way. I it, So you, would you say you're still that way now? Is it you're less trusting of other people nowadays? Uh, I'm more... Yeah. Yeah. Probably. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I mean, it's, uh, it, it definitely keeps the people that you don't want in your circle out of your circle because you, cause you already know what the signs are. You yeah. Know I mean? You know what the red flags are. So the, the great thing about age is experience and experiencing a wide range of different things. So when you kind of hit your forties, you've experienced a lot of stuff. You know, your twenties, you know, you're kind of still stupid. You know, you're, you're just getting your, your feet wet and being an adult and, you know, finding out what you like, what you don't like, getting your heart broke, making mistakes, going to jail, you know, all these other things. By the time you hit your forties, you've got a, a good chest of, of tools, so to say, that you've built up and uh, you're able to identify some of these things that, Oh, uh, I know what that is. Uh, get out go i'm you know done with you or you know any other situations that pop up so i mean you know to question things more don't always take things for face value because it's usually things are never usually what they seem that's good there is one only one negative drawback to that is that often as people age they stop they, they their assumptions become so solidified right that uh, they stop being surprised, stop having those assumptions upgraded even again and again, right? Because there's a lot of learning that happens through your 20s, you know, and even before. You know, we have two 15-month-old twins and we're currently, they're 15 months old. They they can barely walk and we're having them go through swimming lessons because we live here in Florida. And like, they're not loving it. Like, think about it. We're dropping, you know, we're not the ones doing it. They're swimming instructors, but they get dropped in the pool and are having to learn how to swim. Like, that's not very fun for them, right? But it's pretty (laughs) intense. And like, as you get older and older, because you can kind of dictate your own life, 
your your comfort zone kind of overly controls you, right? And you stop. I mean, I'm not. I think what you've talked about is is the development of wisdom, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is really good. A challenge though can be once once you get into a certain stage, you stop staying the student, you know, and you stop putting yourself in those situations where you don't know all the answers, right? Yeah, I, I think I think what helps uh, with that though is. I mean, just what you're talking about is children, right? Uh, or what you just mentioned. And I have a, a three month old, almost three months old. And I was thinking about this earlier too, that we see things before we have children, we see things from our side of it, how we perceived it as a child. And when you're watching a child develop and grow up, you see it from the other side. So you see how they mimic you rather quickly. So like if you say a bad word, you know, I'll I'll do something and say, oh, shit. And then not, not, but like that much longer. Oh, shit. You know, my kid's saying it. And so it's, it's crazy to watch it from the other side now as a, as an adult with a child watching how, how formidable they are. And that in itself has made me, I don't know if I was, went off the topic or not, but. No, it's, dude, we're just having a conversation. I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh Um, I mean, this is why they say that environment's one of the biggest predictors of personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to yeah. be a, like those you're around, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, p- kids pick up on what they what they see uh, growing up. Anything, anything that they see, they just they they like to mimic things. They're curious, and curiosity, I think, is what keeps people engaged. And when you have a lack of curiosity, you withdraw. You know, it's just you, like you don't, uh, I, I don't need to know anything, but there's so many things out there to know, you know? So if you continue, if I continue to have that curiosity to want to know the next thing or what is this like, or what is that like? You know, I think that kind of helps to keep me grounded and, and in a, and in a, a healthy space. I think it's difficult to be curious though, if you don't have anything you're aspiring towards. You know, I think kids, they're, they're seeking growth. They're wanting to learn because there's so much that they need to know and want to know. I think when people become adults and if they stop setting goals or if they stop wanting to be someone, then there's nothing to be curious about. Yeah, that's, that's true. And yeah, you do, you do make a good point because my curiosity usually comes from this, you know, this podcast. I get a lot of exposure to different people, uh, socialization. I mean, technology is amazing, especially now. Uh, should have bought some stock in Zoom. Seriously. Yeah. A couple of years ago, that would have been huge. Yeah. Uh, and especially now, I mean, everybody's on it. I mean, they're probably having to update their servers so they can handle the, the bandwidth now. So. Yeah. It, uh, also, so you have a, you have another, not to veer off, but you had another interesting part of, of your, uh, story. So you adopted three children and then, cause you thought that your, your wife wasn't able to, uh, con- uh, have kids. And then all of a sudden you, she's pregnant with twins. So now you got five in your tribe. Yep. We got five. Yeah, and we didn't necessarily do it because we didn't think she could have kids. Um, She actually had grown up with foster kids, and she wanted to do that. She wanted to do foster care. And so, you know, while we were living in South Carolina, we became foster parents of three kids. And that, to me, felt like jumping in the pool, you know, as our little girls, you know, like go from zero to three kids, and these kids have crazy emotional challenges. Yeah, it was nuts, you know. And then, obviously, we were able to adopt them. And a month later, my wife had twins. And so, kind of can throw a loop at you. In 2018, we adopted three kids and had twins. It was a crazy year, man. 
Yeah, that's a lot. That's a huge change in a short period of time. It's a lot of change. And I, I think it's good. It was good for me. You know, I'll just admit one of the big things I talk about in personalities and permanence, obviously that your current self is different from your former self. You know, you're not the same person you used to be, right? Yeah. But uh, your future self is different from your current self. But, you know, the person I am today, the person having this conversation with you, now that I've got five kids and I've we've gone through all those court battles and, you know, I've learned how to, you know, seek to be a better hu- a husband and father. I'm not the same guy I was three or four years ago. I mean, when we first got these kids, admittedly, it took an adjustment for me to want them. You know, it was mostly my wife's dis- not decision because it was our shared decision. It was mostly her desire initially. Yeah. And I had to learn how to develop that desire. And that's something you can do, by the way. You know, if you desire something, just because you want it now doesn't mean you're always going to want it. And you can actually train that desire out of yourself. But uh, you got to invest yourself in in a new goal or pursuit. And so, I mean, I for a long time, I didn't, admittedly, I didn't know if I wanted, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I didn't want the kids, but I just, I wasn't as invested. And so I, I learned to invest myself because I wanted to become that person. I wanted to, I wanted to be a better husband probably. And so I now love these kids like crazy. And I, I would say I always loved them, but I was, I didn't love them like, like I should have, you know? And so you can train your, you know, you can, you can definitely change yourself. You can choose to become someone different. And then you can get to a point where the person you are today is very different, who wants different things and who prioritizes different things than what you used to prioritize. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like someone said, well, I just learned to love them. That saying, learn, learn, learn how to love somebody. Yeah, but think about you, you know, you prioritize different things than you prioritized back in the day. Oh, definitely. And for me, it was a lot of it had to do with risk versus reward. For, you know, the, the, a lot of the risks that I was taking, I mean, what was I risking? I didn't have anything in my life. You know, it was, I didn't, I didn't, hadn't accumulated anything. I didn't have a job. I was a drug dealer, bar- barely break even, you know, just, just did made enough money to, to keep the, the ship going, but, and partying like the way that I wanted to. But I mean, it wasn't definitely not, not that. And so, yeah, it was, it, there was, there was hardly any risk for me. So I did it now. It's when I think about doing stuff like that, I'm like, all right, well, it's no, it's a no brainer now. Like I have so much to lose that doing this one silly thing could crumble the whole, the whole cake. So, I mean, it's pretty, pretty pretty interesting, right? And your future self's going to have a different cake, right? And so your future self is going to do things differently than you do them now. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that saying before. Like you're cashing you're cashing checks today that that your future self won't be able, or you're writing checks today that your future self won't be able to cash. So how does that like? What are some applications of that? Because I freaking love that idea, and it kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. Give me some like examples of of things like that, aside from financial, because I mean I I love that idea, and it, it scares me a little bit. A lot of it has to do with feelings, because like how I'm feeling determines that some of the cho- some of the decisions that I make or, or choices that are presented to me are are a lot based on where I'm at emotionally you know have I had enough sleep have I had you know what I mean have I had enough water because if you know if you're somewhat dehydrated that has a that plays you know a part in your brain too your brain function and and at least that's how what I think I think it's huge and I think that that's actually very true. I think that we're making decisions right now, often that our future self is going to be pretty upset about, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why what the, there's a lot of research on this now in psychology that you're actually going to make better decisions rather than saying, what do I want? It's what would my future self want me to do? Yeah. Then you can make decisions that would set them up for success versus doing decisions now that are going to set them up for failure. Well, it also gives you that pause. 
because we make split decisions, especially in like, you know, anger. Anger is, is a huge one. It's the most, it's the cheapest emotion and the one that's the most readily available, but it's the one that causes the most damage in such a short amount of time. And that pause, wait a minute, what would my future self do? It takes it away. And you, and you, it's called living intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, ta- it takes that emotion. Rather than subconsciously and emotionally, right? Yeah. And so what I, what I do is I, I just put all of that stuff into perspective into the decisions that I'm, I'm, I need to do. So, I mean, obviously for me, I'm, you know, my, my drug of choice was methamphetamine. That's what took me down. And so by, by all means, I have to do whatever it takes to not put myself in a situation where I may have to choose. Do I want to do sure. this drug or do I want to ruin my life? And so, well, so here's a question for you. I, yeah, I want you to explain this a little bit because I have a younger brother who's struggling with this right now. So, so break this down a little bit further for me. Okay. So what, what I do is I, I know what my triggers are and it was only, and you don't, you don't know this until you actually get time and distance away from the substance itself and get some uh, sobriety under your belt. And with that drug, uh, but how did you get that time and distance? You had to get that time and distance in order to even get there. It took me 15 years to get that. I know, that. but how'd you get that time and distance? Was that prison or what, what was it that allowed you to get sober even for a month? It was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of, of not being someone that could be counted on, always disappointing everybody, never following through with anything, can't get a job, was just constantly screwing up. And I was just got tired of it. And I was thinking about, God, you're, you're, you know, you're 30, you're in your thirties now. I mean, you, half your life is over and you, and you don't, and you don't, you don't amount it. You don't amount to anything. You know, you're, you're, you're living at home. You're just the person that I became. I, I didn't like who it was. You know, I'd been through 18 prison, 18 different institutions, uh, you know, from juvenile halls to, to, uh, drug treatment centers. And there was just a long, a long wake of destruction that was in my path and everything I touched just, you know what I mean? I was, uh, I just wasn't a good person. And so all of those things, uh, kind of combined, I just sort of, you know, I try to explain it. It's like, it's almost like I was possessed for 15 years by some unsettled spirit, which just just going through chaos and madness and, and, and all kinds of, of different situations and things that I was, you know, on a path for. And then all of a sudden it just, it just, the light went on and, and it changed. But the one, the one thing that, that it, that gave me a little, gave me the good start is, and I don't know if any, if this would work for anybody, but I just, I had known what prison was like. I knew that I was going back to a, uh, a violation to do 90 days in a, in a county facility. In a county facility, it's not like prison. It's a lot more dangerous. Uh, there's, you know, there, you just got people in there that don't have any respect. Uh, it, a lot of fights. Uh, any, anything could possibly happen in a county or city jail situation. So I knew I was going into this and I had, uh, a month to turn myself in or like two months to turn myself in. And I knew that if I was going to be kicking while I was in there, then I would be vulnerable to, the forces that were inside and I wouldn't be my optimal self to be able to defend myself if I'm in there trying to kick a, a, a meth habit. 
and also nicotine too. So I stopped smoking uh, about 30 days, maybe like six weeks to 30 days before I went in and I stopped meth before that to do that too as well. And then once I got out, I just maintained it. And what allowed me to maintain that was I found different hobbies to do that didn't require being around the same people that I was around. So I had to remove myself from everything that had to do with that lifestyle, including listening to music because it was triggering for me. Like I would be, I would be listening to a song and it would remind me of a time when I'm driving down the highway, listening to that song in the summer or, you know, cause all the experiences weren't bad. You know, it's just the, the, the outcomes of some of them were, were really bad, but I had a lot of good times too. And so it's those good times that the triggers remind you of that make you, make you think that it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I wrote, I wrote a book once called willpower doesn't work. And, uh, <laughs> It really is hitting on all the topics you're describing that you, you've got to remove yourself from all of the things that trigger you and even the people, the places, the, the triggers. you got to create a new environment around your future self or else, you know, if you stay in those situations with those influences, no amount of willpower is going to get you out. Yeah, because the, the brain will figure out a way to get what it wants and it will talk you into or rationalize irrational behavior and, and because you're thinking about something and I was here, here's a, here's a part of uh meth that people don't talk about and it's the sexual aspect of it. All right. A lot of times that brought me back, you know, I would not be doing it, but it, I would think about uh, you know, the kind of sex that you have on it and you know how good it is and, and everything else. And it would bring me right back to it. Now I'm back in the cycle again. And so, I mean, a lot of people don't even talk about that part of it, but I mean, that's, I mean, anything. I mean, I have people in my life that are, are hooked on meth right now. And so, I mean, I, uh, I'm not really sure how to handle the situation because they go through crazy cycles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a good drug. And it really, it, it it affected, uh, like, like I said, it took me two years to get normal after I stopped, which was normal up here where the serotonin levels and everything else kind of evened out and, I felt like I wasn't in a fog kind of, you know what I mean? Where just life was just different for a couple of years after that. I mean, I, and it wasn't. What were those two years like? Like, how did you make it through those two years? Well, part of it was I just had, I had other things that I, I other things. So like I was, uh, I got involved in playing uh, slow pitch softball. So I found different things to give me sense of purpose and to also, I was doing things that were building my, my self-esteem and my confidence. Okay. And so when I was using, I was doing a lot of things that would, were bad decisions and made me feel bad about myself, which would therefore put me into a, a spin or, or a justified way to just keep using. Cause I felt bad, you know, like, Oh, I'm a piece of shit anyway. So who cares? You know, who cares if I go and get high? It doesn't matter. And I would purposely set up situations to, to, to put me in that mode to fail, right? So that you would feel like crap again, right? Yeah. And so I had to find other things that made me feel good about myself. And so, you know, being a part of a team, uh, being, uh, accountable for this team, showing up, playing, and, and I just got really involved in it. Like I'm the kind of guy that has the, you know, I go, I go harder. I don't go at all. When I get into something, like I'm into it, 
Like I have every single, you know, thing that could possibly be a part of it. I know I can tell you everything about it. I just, I go all in on it. And Mm -hmm. so I did with that. The thing that I didn't like how that league was being run. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I'm just going to start my own league then. And so I started my own softball league in my city. And that was the first, like the first time that I had actually accomplished something that wasn't illegal or, um, you know, part of me trying to manipulate somebody out of something or, you know what I mean? It's something I actually took an interest in and sought out something, completed it and, co- and accomplished a goal. And so that's, that's essential for confidence, right? Yeah. And, and for self-esteem, because now it's like, oh, maybe I'm not a piece of shit. Maybe I'm not this convicted felon that's never going to amount to anything. And so you have to start doing things that are going to change the story inside your own head. That's the key. It's changing because people can tell you anything they want, but experience is going to give you that confidence and that self-esteem. And then you have to change that narrative inside your head on your own. And that's the beginning of it. And then once I started, you know, I accomplished that and then there was other things and then then bigger things and then bigger things. And then, you know, here I have a podcast now. I've had it for a year, you know, I'm making good money. Not anymore. I mean, (laughs) because of the, of the, uh, situation yeah the situation yeah but you're going to get out of this you're going to keep moving forward you're not destroyed Uh, so i'm going to actually request that we publish this whenever is as soon as possible for you because i want to share this with someone but what's interesting is is in this book you know personality is impermanent one of the big aspects of personality is obviously the story in your head like literally uh that's one of the biggest drivers actually one of the chapters in this book is called shift your story and uh from like a identity perspective you know how we see ourselves is based on how we how we explain ourselves you know and so I wonder if with you, for example, when you started, I mean, obviously you were getting experience and you were starting to see yourself as someone worth being, but w- now when you're working towards goals and stuff like that, like, you know, how do you use this story to help you become who you want to be now? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one because I'm, I'm in the middle of, of some struggles, uh, myself currently and time management, being efficient with my time, following through with, uh, you know, when this podcast first started, I, I, I went, I took two months off. I went again and I went a little bit more like another month. I had some time to do it. So I busted out a few and then I took another three months off. And so like, I know that if you want to have a successful podcast or a successful social media, anything consistency is what's going to drive your, your message and your, your brand and your market and everything else. And I know all these things. It's just a matter of me trying to put it all together. And one of the biggest challenges that I have is that I don't, I look way far ahead instead of just starting. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I could write a book. I've got a million stories. It's just like, it just seems like such a, for me, it, it seems like such a, a far, far away thing. And it's just, it plays into my own laziness because if I think that way, then that just gives me the permission to go, oh, well, it's, it's too hard and I can just continue being lazy. What would happen if you, I mean, what, not finish the book, but like, what could you accomplish in 90 days towards that book? Where uh, could you be in 90 days from now if you were working on it for 90 days? Even if you just wrote not consistently, but if you, you know I mean, if you halfway done, like, th- th- yes, yeah, so that, that would be an interesting story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is you could be in a crazy place in 90 days from now, right? I think that that becomes the new focus, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
and then, but you know, there's other things that I've got going on too. So it's just, it's a matter of me stopping the excuses that I have in my head that, that give me the permission to, to not fulfill what, what I know would elevate me to the next level of what it is that I'm trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, we're all there. We're all dealing with it. And, and I think some of that could be fear of, okay, what, what if it, what if it does do what I want it to do? And, and so there, there's that, there's that as well. It's like, like right now I'm, I'm like, well, what is the negatives? What are any negatives that would come if it works? Knowing my personality is, will I be able to handle, han- handle it? Well, I mean, what if the person in the future is someone who can handle it? Well, then it's, it's a win. It's a net, net positive. It's just a matter of changing that narrative in my, in myself. Freaking cool, man. I hope you write that book. I I do too, man. I hope I I hope I get out of my own way and stop being lazy and figure out how to uh you know man, yeah, I think your it, book would be really important for a lot of people. I think you've got a lot of really important insights and you've got crazy stories and a crazy past and I think you've come such a far away that it'd be sad if your book didn't make it out there. I agree. I I, I agree. I just I guess I have to I just have to do it, man. I just have to do it. Do the worst first, dude. Do it in the morning before you do anything else, man. Do it for 30 minutes a day. You know what? A lot of times when people tell me stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. And it just, it never really, it just, it kind of just got, I already knew that it was going to fly out the other ear as soon as it went in. You ever, you ever experienced that? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, but I think, I think you're right, man. I, I think maybe I, I mean, at least owe it to myself to try, right? Well, one thing from like a willpower perspective, think about it. Like who, uh, who could you get to support you on this goal? Why you got to do it by yourself, man? Who can you get? I mean, you're now talking about it. That's a big thing. You know, your audience now is going to hear about it. We all want it. You know, you got to tell your audience it's coming out, man. Put yourself, put that positive pressure on yourself. Tell them it's coming out in six months, man. Tell them start or even a year or whatever, but start getting some accountability externally outside yourself. You know what I mean? And maybe get some support. Someone who promises they'll they'll read your crappy chapter at the end of the week, you know, yeah. and give you some feedback. You know, you got to stop trying to do it all on your own and start getting an environment around it, just like you did with your drugs. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I, how you create a future self. It's the same process, in my opinion, as overcoming an addiction, dude. Right now, you have an addiction to not writing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I mean, the process of becoming your future self is the same way. You got to build an environment around it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I am. I mean, if you just, you just look at the way that I look, I live in a fifth wheel. All right. So it's a 40 foot fifth wheel, just me. Uh, I'm pretty, you know, being in jail has made this actually not, not bad for me. I've been in solitary confinement for 30 days plus. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot worse than this, you know? So it's just, I've, I've become, uh, to the point where I have acquaintances, I have one good friend, uh, that I can count on. And if, if I ever got in trouble, I could, uh, I could, you know, count on them. But for the most part, I don't, I don't go out and try to make new friends or, you know what I mean? Just Would you be s- willing to start doing that, man? Going outside your comfort zone? Uh, well, I feel like I am on, on these because I mean, it's really easy for me to do this. Dude, this, you're freaking good at it. Yeah. Th- this is simple for me, but like to go out in, in society, like, let's just say I'm single. Like I wouldn't even think about wanting to go and approach a, a chick to go ask her out or something because it just wait wait so you wouldn't think about it but would you want to eventually 
Yeah, at some point. I mean, I think that's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot better the option than the the online dating because you you never really know what you're you're getting because everybody's putting the, their their best picture of themselves from ten years ago on there. Some a lot of times. I mean, what they how I view personalities is it's your comfort zone, yeah. right? And so it would be courageous to work towards a future self, the version of you who's got a wife or a kid or maybe it's not even that, just in a great relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it takes courage to to stop being in your comfort zone, but that's how you create results in your life, right? Yeah. And then also too, I mean, a lot of it is, is that like, like I said, I have a, a we, I co-parent my daughter and so she's almost three. And so I make sure that I'm any opportunity I get, I'm around her because these are the years that, that she needs to uh, know that I'm there and, and, you know, a part of her life. And, you know, even though me and her mom aren't together, it was for reasons because of a lot of it was to do with me and, and some of my anger issues and how I responded to things. And, and, you know, what I grew up with watching as a, as a, a kid. And so I just, I knew that I had to, I had to break that cycle because I didn't want her growing up thinking that this is a norm. And so if she ever got into a situation like that, as an adult or a young woman that she would know better that no, 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 no. This isn't the way things are supposed to be. I got to go. Yeah. And so it was, it was more, it was more of trying to save her uh, for her future self by not having to witness this uh, uh, toxic and, and abusive race relationship unfolding in front of her. And she was getting to a point where she was understanding what was going on. You know what I mean? They're smart. They pick up on things quick. So I do. They do. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I do, uh, the, you know, and I'm pretty uh, vigilant about making sure that I'm, I'm there and present and a part of her life. Yeah. And you can do that while still achieving goals. I mean, I think you've, your podcast is big, you know? Yeah. I love that you're protecting that though. I love that you're protecting that. That's, that is the biggest thing in your life. You don't want to, you know, so I understand. Yeah. So I put a lot of, I put a lot of uh, uh, time and energy into that and then whatever I have left over, you know, it either goes into work or now I was able to put a pretty big dent in what I'm doing as far as content and what I'm releasing. And it seems to be getting awesome. Yeah, it seems to be getting better in my in my interview style and the way that I'm like. If you listen to the first one and then to me now, it, there's a there's a huge difference. I love that about moving forward. I mean, yeah. when I read my old blog posts, dude, the old version of me, I'm like, whoa, I've come quite a ways. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of cool, man, it, it, to to be able to. And I like I like shows like that. Honestly, I like uh, podcasts where you're. It's not professional people that are personalities. You know what I mean? That are used to doing this. It's people that are trying something and stepping outside of their comfort zone. Usually, for the first Definitely. time, you know what I mean? For the first time, and have no idea how to really do this. And the ones that stick with it, because a lot of them start, and people don't really realize what they're getting into because it is a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of time, you know, social media, marketing, building an audience, all of that is, is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but you know, if you stick to it and you stay consistent, here we go again, time and consistency, uh, you know, you will finally probably end up where you want to be. Yeah. And it's cool to be able to follow shows like that to where you, you actually grow, you're growing as the, as the host is growing as well. I love that. Any other questions for you? I think we pretty much covered uh, a lot of this stuff. I mean, even in your uh, potential interview questions that 
uh, we can have, I can ask you. I think we're good, man. We can, yeah. I mean, we don't need to go over any more questions unless there's anything you want to. Otherwise, I mean, if there's anything else you want to ask that seems interesting or relevant to you, we can. Otherwise, I think we've covered a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, we definitely, this is a good conversation. Uh, it, you got me to think about some things, which is good. I mean, that's why I do this a lot of the time. You know, it's, uh, not only because I want to give my audience, um, good content, but it's also, it's, it's, it helps me as well, you know, because there's certain things that I still struggle with and, you know, we're all just, uh, you know, trying to be better people than we were yesterday. So. And awesome. Do I've loved this conversation. I, uh, I'm going to request you publish this as soon as you can. And so I can share it with some important people in my life, but, uh, yeah, thank you for, for letting me be on your show. Thanks for chatting about personalized and permanent. Uh, I'll just say that anyone who is interested in the book, it can be available pretty much wherever books are sold. You know, personality is a permanent. Uh, my website's benjaminhardy.com. That's where I blog and uh, use free resources there. So thanks for having me on your show, dude. Yeah, no, not a problem. And what I'll do is I'll take your, you know, the information that I have from you and I'll put that in my show notes as well as to, uh, I think you're, you had a, a publicist, uh, contacting me. So I'll, I'll get all of your links and everything from her and that'll appear in the show notes as well. Amazing, dude. Well, I really loved your show. I love the concept of nowhere but up. I think that that's a really important message and uh, admire you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, continue to do the same work that you're doing. You know, you're, you're making a difference as well. All right, man. Well, have a good one. All right, you too. Thank you for listening to the show. And thank you to Dr. Hardy. That was a great conversation. And hopefully I was able to help you a little bit yourself with trying to give you an explanation of what it took for me to finally stop using my drug of choice. And as always, you'll be able to find Dr. Hardy's places, social media, website, anywhere where he is in the show notes. And for me as well, I'll throw my link tree down there. And that has everywhere that you can possibly find me online. So until next time, stay true to yourself. Keep it 100. Everything else is just noise.